Today on the show, you would absolutely be patting yourself on the back if you were uh, Thomas Dunn. He and his daughters are on the show today, all super successful entrepreneurs, Sheila and Maya, barely in their 20s and already recognized by Forbes. They've made the Forbes Next 1000 list. Yeah, we're going to tap into their secrets of success. And the shocking statistic that pretty much is the underlying factor that drives all bad financial decisions. We'll see if you're part of that statistic. And uh, how to encourage the entrepreneurial spirit in our kids when we take a seat at the kids' table. Thank you so much for making time to listen to the podcast and uh, for clicking subscribe, sharing the episode with somebody that you care about. I think it's really important for us to have these open comfortable conversations about money. Learn from each other. Even if you're only in your 20s, Sheila and Maya and uh, their dad, Tom, will be in in just a second. But first, let's start the show with no dumb questions. No dumb questions. Erica Cummings is here with us. She is a uh, certified financial planner at the Harmony Financial Wellness Group at RBC Wealth Management. She also has her own podcast called A Strong Woman for Strong women. And she joins the show with us every week, this part of the show, no dumb questions. Okay. So now you work in the financial industry. So you see all of those jaw dropping statistics out there. And sometimes I think we need, um, I don't want to say smack in the face. That's what I was thinking, but we almost need to be like, Hey, wake up. This is very important. Now, if somebody's listening right now, they already know that money is important. Yes. What are the statistics out there that will keep us focused on our drive to learn about money? So recently, one of the things that I found was it was shocking. And it and it really to me is the it's the underlying factor that drives all bad financial mistakes. And that is that 65% of Americans have no idea how much they spent last month. Ooh, 65%. That's a lot. That is a lot of people who have no idea what they spent last month, have no idea where it's going to. So most people don't keep very good track of their finances. Well, you, and you know, you may not know your credit score off the top of your head or have all of your bank account numbers memorized, but there isn't, I think, a, a general assumption that you should have an idea of what your everyday expenses are. So you should know what your RGE bill is going to be. You should know what your mortgage payment is. But I was shocked that evidence suggests that when it comes to our budgets, Americans in general tend to literally play it by ear mm. more often than they plan it out. So well, the other one I saw was 35% of people report missing a bill simply because they forgot about yeah. it. Are you kidding me? In a world of automatic bill pay and the millions of banking apps that we've talked about over the years, please I don't just, fall into the 35%. <laughs> Mama Erica just came out. Don't you I feel mean, like you're one of her children right now? <laughs> yes. I mean, if you can't afford it, that's one thing. It's a separate oh. conversation. But if you forgot it, it's like my kids, when it's easy, we're all in this virtual yeah teaching and and there's homework that they're assigned at home i i want to scream when they get half credit simply because they didn't do it well here's the thing too and i still even though they say hey go paperless i'm all about go green but i need to see the 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 piece of paper in my hand because that whole email thing i'm telling you i'll probably skip over it too 
You yeah, know, we I get mean, so many emails. We, we get an influx of emails and notifications here, there, everywhere. I almost just need to go old school with put it in my mailbox and then I will pay. Or at least find a way. So some of the apps that we talked about in the past, I think I mentioned Truebill is one of the ones yes. that I use. Yeah. That you can actually connect them to where they, I just got an alert yesterday. You have four bills coming due over the next week, which is, you know, typically it'll know when my, Mm. credit cards do or this is due or that's due so at least it's giving me alerts i mean we live in a world where our entire life is connected to that phone so yeah that's true as we've said in past episodes i'm not giving you the the end-all be-all way to do things but i don't ever want to hear that somebody misses a bill <laughs> ever just never should happen it, it's really just it, there's no excuse for it other i mean unless you're sick or something happens but uh, the other thing I noticed, which is a little concerning, and obviously as we get older, we get a little bit more responsible, but our younger generation's the worst. So Gen Z, you know, our kids, I don't even know what years they are, but it's our kids. Only 23% of them have an idea of how much they spend. Once you get up to baby boomers, our parents, about 50% of them still failing. Oh. Okay, by any, by any measure, they're failing. But one third of Americans say they regret how much they spend. And it's because they don't know what they spent. Yeah, yeah. And th so these are things that we've talked about in the past too, looking at some of the subscriptions that we've signed up for that has 30 day trials that we forget, oh, it's dinging every single month now. And we had no idea. So it's really about creating a budget. It's the worst word. People hate it. It's, it's, Oh, it's like getting on a scale when you want to lose weight, but I can't stress enough how much a budget is going to help with all of this and yep. being able to really dissect and have an opportunity to see where the money is flowing, because this is all about having a plan. So your money is not wandering and you truly go from just surviving to feeling like I'm thriving and I'm moving somewhere. And I think that sometimes you just have to peel the band-aid off, look at some of the mistakes you've made, say, okay, I did it. It's time to move on. But let's not be part of that 65%. And I'm telling you, it is the most incredible feeling when you get to that point where you feel that peace of mind, like, yeah, everything is going to be okay. Cause I know exactly where the money is going, how much is coming in, how much is going out. It, it's that incredible feeling that we're motivating you to get to that point. Yes. Feeling. Yes. We yes. want you to feel it. Right, mom? Sometimes, yes. The mom might come out of me. <laughs> you are now renamed Mama Erica. That's All right. right. Yes. Mama Erica, where can we find you and get yelled at <laughs> by you? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm here for. Um, you can find us at our website, harmonyfinancialwellness.com. Uh, the podcast you mentioned, The Strong Woman for Strong Women, our episodes will be posted there. You can listen to us on any of the channels that you typically use. And you can email me with questions at erica.cummings at rbc.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn. Perfect. Tough love today from Erica. <laughs> Thank you. Have a great weekend. You too. Success just follows this family. Thomas Dunn, successful entrepreneur, Sheila and Maya in their 20s, made it on the Forbes Next 1000 list. And they join the show next. Look at this, like two young superstars. I know. Oh, <laughs> Dad, you must be so proud. Yeah, yeah, I'm very happy for them. Yep. Uh, 
can you wait, tell wait, me? Yeah. Wait a minute. You have five kids in total, right? Um, well, I actually have six. Oh, uh, uh, okay. From the I forgot older group. Okay. And then I, I have two. I'm a stepdad to two children. Okay. So we got a whole circus of Eight. kids. And every single one of them I hear is super successful. Yeah. I mean, I have to pinch myself. But yes, right now, as we sit, uh, they're all doing exceptionally well. Do you have any secrets? Like, I mean, we went, I got my notepad right here to take notes. <laughs> uh, it, it did at the time. I don't know. It was just a lot of hard work, but it was a lot. It's a lot of fun. So, yeah. um, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, welcome. And thank you so much for taking time. Sheila Dunn, co-founder of Dunn Goodwin digital marketing firm, Maya Dunn, co-founder of Valet Seller e-commerce selling solution with your brother, Kevin, who did he age out of the Forbes next 1000 list? Cause he's not on the list, even though you co-founded this. No. Yeah. He just, um, didn't apply. I think the, oh, the list okay. doesn't have an age requirement, but He's included with, with mine. Okay. All right. I was like, when I discovered he was like, he founded it with you. I'm like, poor Kevin, what happened? You got the shaft. <laughs> I know. Well, there's 750 more that will be coming out. So maybe oh. we'll get them in that round. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and Thomas Dunn, dad, you're an entrepreneur yourself, founder of the company Story, S-T-Q-R-Y, connecting people, places, and stories. Um. Gosh, I am so impressed, seriously, dad, for you to uh, raise such successful children. Uh, was there thanks. something like yeah. along the way, was there, did you apply a lot of pressure on the kids or did you, were you totally the hands-off parent? What do you uh, attribute it to? I, I don't know. The, Sheila and Maya are the two youngest. And honestly, they probably, in a lot of ways, they got the short end of the stick because, <laughs> you, you know, like I wasn't, as strict, I was quite strict as a father, um, I would say. And even they don't even, like the older kids could appreciate kind of how strict I was. Um, Is that the word but, they uh, would use? Do you think they would use the word appreciate? <laughs> I, I have siblings, we didn't appreciate it. I mean, we were very jealous of my younger sister because at that point, after so many kids, you're like, kid, figure it out on your own. I'm too exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you choose your battles and, you know, it wasn't always like with the oldest one, their oldest sister, she got it the worst. You know, we were just like, you know, just like, eh, you know, like, you know, just all over her and um, every little thing she could practically sneeze without being criticized. Yep. Probably. Yeah. Um, yep. I was thinking about this, uh, this talk earlier today. And honestly, my father was an entrepreneur and uh, I always heard that, entrepreneurial talk at the dinner table. Um, yeah. And he was pretty much, that's it. So I always talked it. And then the kids saw me do it. Um, I started several companies. And so I think it was just something that was just more natural, you yeah. know, to do it. It wasn't, uh, it was more a normal practice to start something versus uh, not to. So yeah. And you know, I hear that a lot. And I noticed that a lot that you almost mimic what your parents do. You either go totally against what they do, right? The complete opposite. Or yeah, you just kind of follow in their footsteps because it really is your environment. I always wonder if you're born with it or if you can be taught how to be an entrepreneur. Did you think and act differently when you were a kid? Looking back, do you see signs of it? 
Yeah, that's a good question. We ask our guests that a lot as well. Um, I think definitely seeing my dad and all older siblings talk about it, be more engaged in it. Definitely, it was more of an option for me than like, I think people who don't have that in their life wouldn't see it as much of an option and see it as something that's like more far out or distance, distant. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think seeing it definitely did help. I think, I do think like I do have some natural tendency for entrepreneurship, um, but I, through growing up, I didn't really recognize that. But in hindsight, um, I can see certain things. And also, I kind of started uh, Don Goodwin almost by accident and never with the intention of running a full-time business um, after I graduated college. But now that I got a taste of it, it's kind of like hard to ever imagine working maybe in the corporate world. Now, it's funny because your story, uh, Sheila, it makes me think of, and I'm a big Modern Family fan. I don't know if you guys like that show, but I think of Haley because there was one episode where she was posting on social media and she's like, oh, dad, I'm making money. And her dad didn't take it seriously. It was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. Get a real job. Instagram isn't going to pay the bills. But yet <laughs> that's you. You started off on Instagram when you told dad, hey, listen, this is, this is what I want to do. Was there any pushback? Yeah. So I remember very, very vividly, uh, she's, she's doing this best friends bucket list and it's just growing and growing. And I remember the, she showing me, she showed me like, dad, we just made the top 10 most popular post on Instagram. Like they would do, she would do a post on best friend bucket list. Like, you know, go sunbathing with your best friend or whatever. And it would literally be like Britney Spears post and their post right next door to it. It was like, oh my gosh. This is, this when Instagram had that like popular page, yeah. Yeah, they no. don't have that feature, but I'm like, wow, you're onto something here. That's incredible. And though, so I was all for it. I was like, yeah, how can you monetize this? So, you know, and, and so <laughs> Dad, how can, <laughs> how can you monetize this? Come on. <laughs> uh, no, I, I thought it was great. The only criticism I've ever had of, of, of Sheila's business is how scalable. Uh, the model is it's 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 somewhat more of a professional services play so i mean it can be wildly successful yeah I mean, don't don't get me wrong but so how old were you sheila when because you were in early on the game of instagram then right yeah so i remember in eighth grade uh walking around like people showing me what instagram was and i think that's when i created maybe it might've been ninth grade, but right around then I, I started the Instagram account um, with my friend Meredith, who also went to high, uh, high school with me, Henry Falls Lima, and completely for fun. And I remember we wanted to grow our followers. So we would, <laughs> we would be watching TV and following a lot of people um, and just randomly. And so we got to about 10,000 followers. Um, and then it just grew from there without, you know, just from good content and kind of keeping a consistent brand you know, we had about 50,000 followers in six months or so. And we just, we had no clue what we were doing, but it was for fun, <laughs> no intention of making it a business, um, which I think is what's great about it. Cause we actually, you know, had a passion for it and liked what we were doing. We were best friends ourselves, you know, it was authentic yeah. to us. So yeah, yeah that, that's how it started eighth, ninth grade. And then like my dad said, um, him and my brothers were like, you have to make money from this. You know, what are you doing? Just, uh, doing this for fun. What's that? <laughs> so, uh, so we, yeah, we started partnering with brands and, you know, in, in high school, a, a brand to pay us a hundred dollars for us to take 10 minutes and post a picture, uh, was like, you know, amazing for us and actually very underpriced at the time. Um, but that's how we would make money. We would post 
things on behalf of brands. How did yeah. you connect? Did they just find you because you had so many followers and you were such an influence on the app? Uh, I actually reached uh, both ways, but I reached, I, I would send emails during, during class, like to, to any oh. e-commerce brand I could find. Um, wow. And they would be very receptive to it, you know, schedule calls and say, okay, what are your, what are your rates? And we would have no idea. We just make something up and go from there. All sitting in ninth grade class. That's crazy. I remember one time I got in trouble because I was supposed to post something at like 9 a.m. And the, the you know, class structure ended at like 9, 10. So I was like on my phone uh, in class and then the, the had to wait till the end of class. So, oh my gosh. That's, do you remember how much money you made at that time? It was about a hundred dollars a post. So, wow. Um, yeah. So we yeah. just wow. try to and do that would as do, much as possible. On average, what do posts go for now when you see the influencers posting on behalf of brands? Is there a gauge? Is there a, a number? Um, they might say ten or a dollar for every thousand okay. followers you have. Um, or maybe it's more like ten ten dollars per thousand. Oh um, wow. Yeah, probably 10 because I'm thinking of in my head a dollar per thousand is probably low. So yeah, 10, roughly $10 per thousand might be a rule of thumb, but it all varies. Now the app has changed a lot, specifically Instagram we're talking about. Do you feel like a lot of people should be on Instagram no matter what your profession is, entrepreneur or not? It depends. Um, it's up to you. A lot of people don't like to share their personal life or really have any interest in it. I think if you want to build a personal brand, 100%, you should be on Instagram. And I think personal brands important for any, any career you're in, whether yeah. you're a lawyer, a doctor, entrepreneur, a teacher, if you want to build your personal brand, then I think you should be on Instagram. If you don't necessarily care about that, which a lot of people don't, you certainly don't think you're at a disadvantage without it. Other than just maybe not being as in tune with like some social, like pop culture, but yeah right there in tune. It's hard. It's exhausting because it's always changing. So I give you a lot of credit for evolving with it. Okay. Maya, now tell me about your business. This is, this is kind of cool. Valet seller. You help people sell their products, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we actually started out sort of similar to Sheila with an agency where basically companies come to us, they say, we need help selling on Amazon, eBay, and Walmart. And we had a lot of experience in it. So we would take and work with their brands and get them on to these marketplaces and really help them get selling. Um, but since we started that agency and kind of what my dad was mentioning about scale, we really wanted to move into the software space. We wanted to build a product that we could sell to brands. So that's what we launched in um, January of 2020, we launched our software. And so that just basically automates the process. So if you have a product and you wanna sell on Amazon, eBay and Walmart, you would list your product through our software. It's a user interface, really nicely designed tool. Basically, um, you'd list your product and then we push it out to those marketplaces that I mentioned, Amazon, eBay, Walmart, and we're working on growing, growing that as well. How did that idea come about? Yeah, actually funny, it involves our other brother, Christopher. Um, so Kevin was the one who really started this selling. I think he got that from my dad and my mom as well. Like, I'll take what's in the garage and just list it on eBay, that kind of mindset. Um, so he started doing that and we together grew pretty developed stores on Amazon and eBay and Walmart. 
and our other brother, Chris, he went to Vietnam and he found this coffee that he really wanted to sell. Um, so because Kevin, Kevin and I had these stores and Chris had the product, we were like, oh, we can do it for you. Just give us the product information. Um, at that time, we actually had a warehouse. So we kind of realized, oh, we have all these elements to streamline the process. And then our brother came with this product that kind of sparked the idea. How much did you charge your brother? Did you just do it because you're siblings or uh, who was helping negotiate that deal? <laughs> we just did it. I actually think Kevin and Sheila, we all kind of got in on it. We were like, oh, we'll, we'll work on it together. But, but yeah. What is the, the lesson that you will forever carry on that dad taught you, whether it's business related or just life related? Wow. Loaded question. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> um, this is like the match game. We'll see if dad's answers match up with yours. No, I'm just kidding. I think um, there's so many, but something yeah. that just right off the top of my head came to me was actually something he mentioned. We, we just had a little bit of a road trip last the other week, but um, self-discipline and just being able to really hold yourself accountable and um, be, be motivated and passionate about what you're doing. I think that's something that I was able to see him do. And, and I think he's, he does a great job, you know, instilling that in us. Um, but there's so many, I could probably get a better answer if I thought about it long. I would just quick, I would say the same two, the, the first two things that came to mind were similar to what Maya said is discipline and also just a joy of life, like having fun while you're doing it. So Maya mentioned passion. So I think those, those two things, if you have discipline and you love what you're doing, you're, you're going to be successful at whatever you do. There's a part of me, like I'm so intrigued with the world of entrepreneurship and a lot of people are talking more and more about it. Even the younger generation, do you guys see Maya and Sheila, like even your friends want to get into this? Yeah. Um, but there's a part of me like, oh gosh, if like there's not, there's no stability there. Is it uncomfortable for any of you? Do you ever feel that like that overwhelming or anxiety over it or no, it's not even an issue? <laughs> yeah, so I, that was actually a huge, it was really important for me, like growing up, I really wanted to be financially stable, um, for whatever reason, I, that was a value to me, and um, I actually really wanted to go to med school for that reason, I was like, I like science, this is going to be a great route for me, um, so, and I think I, I've been fortunate to be in college until January of 2021, so I don't know if the pressures really hit me yet, maybe I'll have a different answer for you in the future, but. <laughs> Right now, um, I, I still feel pretty okay being young, and I, I think I have a lot of um, you know time to. If I do need to change routes, I have the opportunity to do that. So right now, I'm I'm okay, but I think that's definitely something to consider if you want to go the entrepreneurship route. Have you said, Dad, if if anybody fails, I'm here to pick you up, or are you one of those type of parents that's like, well, you can figure it out? Gosh, you know, it's interesting. I haven't had to. I haven't had to play that card yet. Um, and I don't know how I'll play it. I do recall a time when I was in a situation, my first business I ever started and our third child was on the way and I was running this business and I was cash strapped big time. And I was like, honestly, yeah, embarrassed to say this, but I was like floating checks to kind of stay ahead of the checks, you know? And so I'm like, and I like this, this like this little conveyor belt I had was like, it's going to blow up here. I'm going to bounce like four checks. It's going to be this bad thing. I'm going to pay everyone 25 bucks a piece. And I called my dad and he's like, no, 
I'm not giving you a penny. <gasps> <laughs> Dad, so okay. I would. I wanted to. I wanted. I, I could have. If I could have punched him right then, I probably would have. But I honestly think he just he made that tough call. Going, you know what? You chose this. You're in this. I, I'm not going to bail you out here. So I don't know if that was the right call. If I would have made that call, I, I, I would hope that I would have had maybe a little bit more un- understanding. I mean, I was working really hard. It wasn't a question of how hard I was working yeah. and everything. Um, but you know, it, it, it stuck with me. It kind of was like a little chip on my shoulder and I'm like, okay, fine. That's the way it's going to be. Um, but did that but, you help know, I, you? Do you think that chip uh, on know, your shoulder I made you? I, I yeah. know. A lot of the things my father did that I didn't see at the time, how tough he was kind of yeah. did, you know, kind of helps. And maybe he had the vision or maybe he was just being a, yeah. you know, what, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the big thing though, is that, uh, it's sort of like, you know, when they talk about raising kids, you want to have a, 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 a field of play. Like this is okay. This is inbounds. This is out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And if, if you can make that pretty clear that this is what we expect and, and accept. And if you're outside of that, you're going to know for sure. Um, and, uh, but then, then they can explore within that, right? They can, they can have lots of freedoms and liberties within that. And that's good because you want them to fail and you want them to, you know, fall down, cut their yeah. knee or whatever. Yeah. Like you yeah. want the failures because, Life comes too easy. That's going to be a big problem. So, um, you know, as far as just the quality of life later, forget about like how successful they are. Um, I've never used money as the only yardstick to success, right? So when they're talking about that passion, it can't be the only yardstick. I mean, money in itself is just a measurement, right? And it's not, you know, the years that we were starting this company and just like making this dream come true, they were, they were more fun than anything else. Like it it was more fun than the funnest activity I like to do, like go surfing. I would rather spend my time trying to make this thing work than go surfing, which is one of my favorite things to do. So that's where it's really fun. But now you do have to be willing. You might fail. You don't know. You you will have failures. And and can you recover from those failures? I guess is the trick is that are you enough confidence in yourself that you get knocked down, you made a mistake, you invest the money wrong, and it just you you went this direction and you should have made a right and you know it, it can happen i mean i'm in a space right now mobile technology it's evolving so quickly i mean even though we don't compete with google stuff that we're doing the direction we're going eventually if we're super successful like it will threaten a, the bigger players in the space like right now we play in a space that's okay but and and they're not a big enough niche for them to 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 worry about it but yeah it's just it's it's yeah, I could, even though we've been greatly successful at my our business and, you know, growing every year and profitable and, and, and all that, um, but there's still like, we're, you know, we have to make sure we do, anyways, I'm off on a tangent, but it's exciting running your own business. And I, 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 I think, I think, but you always report to somebody, like you report to your investors, you report to your board, you report to, you know, there's not yeah. like, you can be an entrepreneur, but I, I, I I try to hope that my team is all entrepreneurs, like every single person who works at me owns oh. their owns what they do and and i would support them if they anyways yeah i don't want to get into other philosophies well, but does it uh, <laughs> we got to do a whole different show with dad just yeah, dad's sorry. philosophies but the the thought of like you were at that period let's go back to when you were you know asking dad for help and here you are your wife's pregnant first of all did she want to say honey just get a freaking corporate job and give us some stability uh, or was she very supportive yeah, no, I mean, she definitely, she came from a super stable, 
Ah. You know, super, totally not entrepreneurial. Like mm. I was like the anti person, like terrible for doing this. Like it, it was very shunned upon. And um, so, How yeah. How did you convince she, her? Trust me, we got this. Don't worry. Uh, so I have some funny stories around this. Honestly, mm -hmm. truth is I didn't, sounds going to sound really bad, but I okay. did no those decisions. I did them independently. I, I, I was the primary breadwinner and I, I provided food and shelter and I always provided food and shelter for everybody. So, um, now looking back though, would you do it the same way Bet on yourself and trust yourself to make the right decision uh, and navigate? Yeah, out of those I, I would, de I would definitely do that. Like I, one of the things I did in college is I sold books door to door and it was a very fantastic experience. I, 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 I it's sort of an anchor in my life mm. that I was successful at that. And it's sort of like something I could fall back to that I could carry a bag of books and knock on doors and, and actually earn a lot of money doing it. Um, so, but my point is um, with this is I knew I would be successful. Like I, I, I just knew we would be able to make the steps. And if I did it, we would pivot and pivot and pivot until so, we found it. So I just knew- Is we it would a be mindset successful. then? just go into it thinking there is no, there's no options. Failure is not an option. That sounds cliche, but it's more that you just have to be willing to keep learning. Cause honestly, the mm -hmm. thing is you will make a decision uh, the, the every startup I've done so far, I've made thoughts and I've had people give me money on an idea that literally three months in were like, oh, that was wrong. Our, our assessment was wrong. We did the market research, we studied the market and it was just wrong. And then you just have to say, okay, well, I thought I knew all the answers. I don't, ah. and a pivot. People get stuck. They, they get stuck thinking they had to have it right and they'll just go to their grave swinging and you, know, you gotta pivot and- um, You gotta recognize just, when you need to then. Admit, because yeah. that must well, be Well, it's tough. also, and then the decision is, are am I gonna get more money or not? That's a big decision. So yeah. if you raise money, then you're gonna be going one direction. If you don't, you have to do it a different way. So you take the resources, it's being scrappy. I think that's another thing they saw. Let's go here now, how you guys all run your budgets. Um, Maya, we'll start with you. So now you're early. Both of you girls, we didn't even we didn't even establish how old you girls are. So Maya, you're how old again? I'm 20. 20. Everybody, she's 20 and she's uh, featured in Forbes. Okay, fantastic. And uh, Sheila, you're how old? I'm 22. Oh gosh. Okay. So those are the years that we all remember where we were all broke and we lived a life scrappy, but now you guys both have these well-established, these super successful companies on the outside. It looks like, oh, money will never be a problem for them. Is there any rules that you follow or how do you manage your money or lessons that dad has taught you? I think one big thing that I've learned is just because like the company's making money does not mean that I have money by any means. And it, I definitely have learned, you know, and want to invest every dollar that we make back into the company. Mm. Um, so I don't think that, you know, from the outside people might be like, oh, 20, that's so impressive. And she has all this money, but I don't think that I can spend an extreme amount of money or like go do these crazy things. Um, and I think it's actually been very important for me to be aware, to be saving money and be still, you know, I'm not going to eat out every night. Um, and then Sheila and I just recently kind of got interested in real estate, but I'll pass that to you, Shales. Yeah, I think um, 
The question of kind of how we're spending our money, I, I think the biggest lesson for me in entrepreneurship, one of the things, if, if Dungo and fails tomorrow, I'll be so grateful for the lessons I've learned about financial like stability. Um, it was a very weird experience to be 18, 19 years old in college, having no expenses and making, you know, a lot more than my peers. Yeah. I, like, and it's very, very strange to, to have that. So you learn a lot. Like I, I went through phases where I would spend a lot of money and then I went through, you know, I've learned a lot of lessons from that. The real estate thing, um, one of my goals had always been, I don't know really why, but I just wanted to get into real estate. I said by 21, I wanted to own my first house. And oh, so, um, oh, awesome. yeah, me and my, me and my brother actually purchased our first place uh, last year, but it's just been, you know, learning, right? Le yeah. As much research and education as you can do, especially at a young age. Um, and I think it seems, at least to me, like it seemed very far off and, and hard to like, I know you do those no dumb questions. Like, I think that's great because I felt like I had so many dumb questions. And so um, to actually set that goal of, okay, by 21, I want to be in involved mm -hmm. in real estate. Uh, helped me make that actually happen. And, and there's all these different things that I had no clue about, you know, no money down strategies and um, yeah. different programs that we could take advantage of. So I think the more accessible it can be to, to young people, the better. Yeah. Is that what you would say to a fellow young adult, the money lesson that you would give them? Yeah. Set goals, educate yourself, understand what's realistic and what's not realistic and just just make sure, I mean, I was fortunate to learn from experience. I made plenty of really dumb decisions, I'd say. And so I'll never make them again. But I think most 22-year-olds haven't had that. Uh, or maybe they'll never make this, the same stupid mistakes. But, but I feel like uh, at an advantage because of that. Because I've just done things I know I will never do again. And I've also done things that I'm very proud of in a financial sense as well. Yeah. And like you yeah, said, Sandy, Tom, you have to learn from uh, your mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to note here that they didn't learn any financial stuff from me. <laughs> uh, I was just going to ask you, wait, you were supposed to be the grand finale. How did you run a family of eight? Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it definitely, uh, so I had the world's worst role model here. My, my father uh, literally made many, many millions before he was 30. Uh, then went bankrupt, then made many, many millions again. And oh, about, wow. about four, mid forties went bankrupt, lost everything. And then made many, many millions again. So I lived this life of like, wow. like first class limousines, decadent hotels in the Caribbean to, you know, literally like you need a new pair of tennis sneakers at in eighth grade, you're going to buy them yourself, you know? So like it was very, you know, like my first real business was selling golf balls. I'd get my friends to help me fetch golf balls from the pools, of the, the, uh, the, the, the ponds on the property. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, would then, I would then sell them. I made good money in high school and middle school. So uh, I, I guess, but they've had other good role models. Like, like their, their grandparents on my ex-wife's side, they're really good role models and others in their life that are really, really good role, uh, mo role models. So I, I think that, that I hope that they get that from, from them uh, <laughs> and some of the other good stuff that I bring them. Yeah. Um, I don't do what I do for money. Like I, I love what I do uh, and put everything into it because I, you know, I just, I love building stuff. And that's what uh, they say, right? I mean, that sounds cliche too. I think everyone says it, but it is so true. You got to really yeah. find the passion in it and then everything else kind of just falls in place. 
My goodness, yeah. Tom, I think we got to do another separate interview. You got so many good <laughs> stories. Does he tell yeah. you all these stories all the time? Are you guys just fascinated? Yeah, for sure. And you can see that entrepreneurial kind of hustle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you guys are wonderful. Congratulations again, Sheila and Maya, for making the uh, Forbes Next 1000 list. Congratulations, Dad, for raising such oh, a beautiful you. family. And you guys have been so much fun to have on the show. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, Sandy. It was really wonderful. All right, let's continue the conversation about encouraging that entrepreneurial spirit in our kids. Grab a chair. We're going to take a seat at the kids' table next. All right, welcome to a seat at the kids' table. Money Savvy Generation founder Susan Beecham is here. Thank you for doing this with us every week. Love it. All right, so today we asked the kids, if you were just a hypothetical, if you were to do something for the neighbors, let's say shovel driveways, how much would you charge? Here's what the kids said. Depending on how big the driveway is, because some of the driveways, they're like a semicircle, so I'd pay a lot for that. Maybe like $5. $5 a driveway? A big driveway? Yeah, but for a smaller driveway, I'd pay like $1 or $2, because... Driveways aren't normally that big, but if it, okay. like a big driveway and then like a bigger pathway, like a driveway to a mansion, so I guess. Dollars. Yeah. To, to a mansion, huh? How much would you charge doing driveways? Depending on the weather, but I would start at minimum wage because it's just kind of like a little service type of job. So uh, minimum wage. What would you charge? Um, I would charge for like small driveways, like $5. And then for like a mansion or stuff. <laughs> Everybody's talking about mansions. Okay. I would just pay $24. $24 a driveway? Uh, just big driveways. Okay, like mansions. Yeah. Now, are you charging it because the driveway's big or because you think the people have a lot of money who live there? Like, they must have a lot of money because, ah. like, like that because of driveway. So do you increase the price just because you think they have money? Well, I don't know. If they're like poor and they have a big driveway because they already spend yeah, it, yeah. like they can do $5 or oh, so. Oh, okay. Right. So like if... The sliding scale based yeah. on how much you have? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Susan, I hope you're not super wealthy in a mansion because if you are, I, I, I'm not sending the kids to your house because they're going to yeah, price no kidding, you. Yeah, no kidding. No <laughs> kidding. Um, you know, I just, I, I, I think this is a wonderful uh, discussion because you need to teach, it's important to teach your kids how to value themselves, how to value their time and talent. And you could tell by some of the answers, you know, who wouldn't accept $5 to have their driveway um, charged. But that points out, it's generally the age of the child that dictates how they interpret value. So to a very young child, five bucks is big bucks. To an older child, five bucks is cheap as chips. So um, you have to have that discussion with them about, okay, so what should you charge? And this is, an e this is the easiest question we've ever tackled. Do the math. So suggest to them, <clears throat> ask, how much are you gonna charge? Oh, I'm gonna charge $50 for that driveway. Okay, so how'd you get there? And they look at you and they go, what do you mean? Well, how'd you come up with 50? Well, it's big. Well, how big is it? I don't know. Well, how would you feel if somebody just came up to you and said 50 bucks and they couldn't explain why it was 50? So if you want to be perceived as a dependable, trustworthy person, 
do the math. Go look at the driveway and measure the thing. Take a eyeball it if you have to. Take, you know, go with your child and say, that looks like 20 feet to me. All right, so then how much would you charge by foot? Length of driveway. Then you can put another calculation in. How high is the snow? Then a third calculation. If you want to do premium service, find the people who need to be out of their driveways and on the way to work and say, you can have the first appointment of the day. It's a slight premium because I'm putting you before other people. Anyone would respect that, um, that pricing because they know you put some thought into it. So uh, is it important to look at a house and think that's a mansion they can afford more that is terrible isn't that terrible <laughs> but you know you you kind of get it but i bet i would put i put money on every child that said that that they wouldn't do it in the end that they wouldn't they couldn't bring themselves to do it so give them a template how long is the driveway how deep is the snow what time do they want it done by? Give your child a template so that they don't have to be faced with, well, that's a huge house. I'm going to charge them double. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not going to feel good about that. And the person may turn them down because, you know, wealthy people are frugal. Show them how to set the pricing. Tell them it's going to make them feel better. Uh, they can predict their income that way. And then remind them that if it's a little old lady who's going to slip on the ice that it doesn't hurt every once in a while to go lower in pricing it is such a valuable lesson though valuable yeah. valuable lesson to teach the kids and it's awesome if there's so many people who reach out to the show who say that their kids do you know those type of things shovel the driveway or mow the lawns in the in the summer and that is so great so great. You know, I've seen a lot of my uh, friends on Facebook who have had tons of snow because we're originally from Chicago and people are going on Facebook saying, Brian, two doors down has, without even being asked, shoveled the driveway for us. And these are, some of my friends are elderly. And someone said, I got a kick out of this. Someone said, well, you should bake cookies for Brian. That was a, that was a woman. And then a man came on and said, pay the kid. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Yeah. Uh, an interesting response. <laughs> oh, how funny. But all right. Awesome. What, how can we find you and follow you, Susan? Uh, people can find me and read all about what I think and my point of view at susanbeecham.com, my blog. And then head on over to moneysavvy.com, which is our website, which has a whole bunch of resources and tools that we've created to help you talk to your kids about money. Awesome. Have a good weekend. Me too. another show if you have any questions you want us to uh, answer in no dumb questions just let me know if there's a guest you think I should get on the show or hey if you need help talking to the kids about money just reach out anytime thank you so much for clicking subscribe for being here every week and we raise a glass and say cheers to each and every single one of you who is proud to say that you're on your way to being a financially confident woman talk to you next week Thank you.